1. We will break in at verse 15 and read to verse 28. And you will see in verse 15 that the the text is talking about his dear son, God's dear son, as mentioned in verse 13. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell." And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. And you may be seated. Yes, um, looking at the scripture here in Colossians, the Apostle Paul's call to ministry, his his passion or his, his desire to truly be used of the Lord in bringing Christ in you the hope of glory in verse 27 in Colossians chapter 1. To make Christ known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, we're all given something to do as believers. And this morning, I don't, you, you think about what you do with the two, three H's in your life, your head, your heart, and your hands. What are we doing with our head, our heart, and our hands? And is is the Lord truly captivated you, captivated us? 
to be uh, used of the Lord in our head, our heart, and our hands. Apostle Paul was, uh, you'll notice in verse 34, now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Why was Paul, why does Paul speak like that? Do you realize that the caretakers of your church group here, uh, even though they may not be in prison like Paul was, but they carry the load of a functioning church, uh, the load of responsibility. And sometimes it involves suffering. You know, when, when you think of all the effort that your Sunday school teachers and uh, leaders of your church are involved in doing, it is an effort. Um, Paul says in verse 25, where I'm made minister according to the dispensation of God, or the, which he's given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So let God's people and leaders in your assembly be fulfillers of the word of God. And certainly it is a mystery in some ways. And, you know, our calling to Northwestern Ontario goes back to the 50s. And it is um, a calling that's worth being involved in. I want to serve Christ, proclaiming the mystery of the incarnation, the birth, the virgin birth of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. And we're approaching Easter, right? I want to serve the church by involved in involvement in ministry to the Gentiles, serve the body of Christ, the church, by committing myself to Aboriginal ministries, the North American or the Canadian Indian, as it was known in the past, Aboriginal ministries today. They're included in God's plan of redemption to present everyone perfect in Christ and do all we can to help people grow in their salvation. Labor and struggle towards this end with all the energy that God works in us. And you say, well, at uh, 74, isn't it time to retire? Some of you uh, at that age bracket know what it's like to be in your mid-70s and 80s. And some people say, well, northern youth programs, what? What right do you have as an elder to be in Northern Youth Programs? Well, you heard some of the reasons why we're still there. My question to us this morning, what are you doing with your head, your heart, and your hands? Your time, your talent, your finances, uh, your resources. How do, how do I handle people and things and resources placed in my care? at any age and stage of your life, within your circle of influence as a follower of Christ. We are called to be caretakers, stewards. Um, Adam was placed in the garden to work it and care for it. Everything we think, say, or do is an exercise of being a caretaker, a steward. 
Life is an exercise of strategic management or stewardship. <laughs> when you get up in the morning and uh, on a weekday morning, do, you, do we know what it means to come under God's lordship, the Lord's lordship in our lives, stewards of the gospel, mysteries of God, and, and declaring the mysteries of God? Servants of Christ, we've been given a trust. We're called to faithfulness. Where is our heart? Where our treasure is, there will our heart be. Stewards of our time, energy, choices, and our priorities. We are told that we reap what we sow. We sow for ourselves... Righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, kindness, and loyalty. It's required in stewards that we be faithful, according to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. To be faithful stewards. Uh, accountability. You know, someone has said you should never be involved in things that there is no accountability. Accountability where there's full submission to God's sovereign will. There's a woman and came to Jesus in Mark 14 with a little box of perfume, alabaster box, a very expensive perfume. And, uh, well, you know, some of you know the story. The, the disciples were saying, she wastes, she's wasting money. Probably Judas was among them, right? Um, but Jesus' response was, she did what she could. What are we doing with what we could? <laughs> she did what she could. Our higher priority, no matter what's most important in our lives... Well, we know scriptures like seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the things we need will be added to us. Life, a higher priority is always to honor the Lord, not human standards of honor. What's our mission, your mission statement and commitment? What's your life purpose statement? your priority statements, your life vision statement. Jesus, when he began his ministry, he picked up something from the book of Isaiah and read it in the synagogue, uh, similar to an assembly like this. And he declared his job description or mission statement of what he came here to do for in Isaiah 61. Also recorded in Luke chapter 4. What is your mission, statement, and calling in life? Isaiah, we won't turn to Isaiah 61, but I'd like to, if you could turn with me to a couple of chapters in Isaiah chapter 30. And also... Um, Chapter 32. I'm going to jump in a few verses here. 
Now, this is in the context of um, Israel selling out to Egypt, Israel giving up in some ways, and Isaiah is the salvation book of the Old Testament. We read Isaiah 53 quite frequently during Easter uh, celebrations. But Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, and returning and rest shall ye be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength, and you would not. You know, turning our lives over to uh, God's sovereignty and his lordship, submitting to him, and having confidence to, and, and, and enough of a quietness in our hearts, quietness and rest, returning and rest shall be, ye be saved, and quietness and confidence shall your strength be. That's verse 15. Go over to chapter 30, verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. The Lord desires to be gracious to us in our journey. And it doesn't matter whether you're a senior citizen like I am, or a two-year-old, or three-year-old, or five-year-old, a ten-year-old, a youth. The Lord's desire is to be gracious. His, his mercies are new every morning, right? Will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, therefore will will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you for the Lord is a God of judgment blessed are all, are all they that wait for him so when we are attempting to find a purpose statement or a life purpose and a vision it means the ability to learn to wait these Jews were depending on Egypt they were not waiting on the Lord's timing or the Lord's deliverance or the Lord's mercy and grace. They went around planning their lives on their own. And verse 30, and this is a, a verse that talks about judgment and life. <laughs> the Lord shall cause the, his glorious voice to be heard. Do you know what it means to hear the glorious voice of God? You know, I think back of my journey from age 18 out of perversion and sin and despair, um, suicidal at age 16 because of what happened to me as a, as a youth and a child. And my journey out was coming to a assemblies or services like this to hear the glorious voice of the Lord. Um, so are we, are you as a youth, as a child, as, a, as an adult still open to the glorious voice, of, his glorious voice to be heard? And you'll notice the kind of judgments in that, the rest of that verse. And shall show the lightning down of his arm with an indignation of his anger and with a flame of devouring fire 
with scattering and tempest and hailstones. So there was judgment coming if we were not going to pay attention to the voice, the glorious voice of the Lord. Over in chapter 32, <clears throat> couple, there's about three verses in here. And verse 1 in chapter 32, Isaiah 32. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment, and a man, and a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a culvert from the tempest, as rivers of water in the dry place, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. You know, God calls us to be a great rock in a weary land. And I think of my Aboriginal friends. You know, we're in northwestern Ontario these many years because we love the Lord and we have learned to love the people. <laughs> Two good reasons to do what you do. To take your talents, your head, your heart, and your hands to love the Lord and love people. A great rock in a weary land. We sing songs like that, right? Old-fashioned old songs. Another verse in chapter 32, verse 8. But the liberal devises liberal things, and by liberal things shall he stand. There's a translation that reads like this. The noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. I've been teaching that verse to uh, some of our grandchildren. We have five children and 28 grandchildren. <laughs> um, all raised in missions. <laughs> A noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. And one of the grandsons, a 12-year-old, at Christmas, when I was quoting this verse and asking him to quote it, he said, Grandpa, why are you torturing us with that verse? He was just teasing. He was saying, Grandpa, you're always, you're always uh, teaching us something. Catchy verses in the Bible. This catchy verse, in fact, I'd like us to quote this morning three times and see if you can remember it. <laughs> The noble man makes noble plans and by noble, let me, let me go back up. The noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. Let's say it together three times. The noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. A noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. A noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. So finding our calling in life, finding what's in our head and our heart and our hands, and being people of nobility, you say, well, I'm not noble. <laughs> oh, yes. If you are created in God's image, are you noble? Yes. Now, granted, we have been sabotaged by the enemy of our souls, and we're a fallen people. We're sinners that need to be redeemed. 
But we're created in God's likeness. We're created in God's image. And I'd say that's, that qualifies us to be people of nobility, whether you're a man or a woman. A noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. There's another verse here in uh, Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. The work of righteousness, in verse 17, shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. I mean, this is in the middle of Israel forsaking God and almost being taken captive to Babylon. And he's asking noble people to stand, like we just quoted in verse 8 and verse 17. He talks about the work of righteousness. So what is your work like? Is it in the context of righteousness and peace? And its effect. NIV reads like this in verse 17. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. You know, when we're truly committed to the Lord, we become bolder in, in Jesus. And our Sunday school, Jesus was quiet at one time, but then he spoke up at other times and, and declared with boldness. And of course, they said, this man is worthy to die because of his boldness to declare himself the son of God. But as people of God, we're called to boldness. I'd like to finish with a, a little something that I've worked up and uh, those of you youth and parents who say, well, what are you talking about when it comes to what's in your head, your heart and your hands, and, and uh, Paul's calling and his opportunity, his life purpose statement? This one has three verses across the top. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, that, what it is that I may know how frail I am from Psalms 39 and then also Psalms 90. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Psalms 90 verse 12. And of course, on the right side here is uh, from James. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall, do, we shall live or do this or that. You know, it's foolish to make statements that we're going to do this and this without putting the Lord willing on top of it. And uh, I call this a life chart. Starts with how old will you be in 20, by the end of 2019? What's your age? Can you put your age down from... 2019 to, for the first 10 years, next 10 years, 2029. 20, so you put your age there, and then there's five-year blocks of time up to uh, 2064. And some of us are saying, I won't be here. I probably won't be here. I won't be here. And then there's 10-year blocks of time where you actually, it goes to 2104. Maybe two or three-year-olds could make it to 2104 if the Lord tarries. 
So it's your age. Then on the bottom here, it's ages of other important people in your life. Could be your parents. Could be your grandparents. Could be, um, well, it says here, ages of your children. So if you put your age and the ages of your children, list some spiritual goals, relational goals, work-related goals, other activities. Some of you youth are saying, I'd like to be married by such and such a time. Ah. Do you ever dream about it? And who will that partner be? Some of you, you know, finding a life partner rests an awful lot with you, with the men, right? But you could dream and pray like you never prayed before as a single youth or adult. And put some tear stains, maybe even coffee stains, um, find a place to seek God and lay out your life. You say, well, this, you aren't making much sense. A noble man, a noble woman makes noble plans, and by noble plans, noble deeds, she or he stands. So chart your life. On the backside of this is what, I call, what we call a life map. So you put the age... And the year you were born, in the first nine years, pick out some of the, the great things you've experienced in the first nine years of your life, if you're nine years old. Um, the next line would be ages 10 to 19. The next line, um, and so on. 20 to 29. Have you ever charted your life map? Or laid out a plan that God might have for you. A noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds, noble deeds they stand. Some of you parents saying, I don't know what my child is going to end up being or doing. And um, I did this with our five children as they were growing up. Even started with some of them at four, five, six years old. By the time one of our sons was 17, because of a life chart on a plan he had mapped out, he had his private pilot's license by the time he was 17. Um, and if you are worried about youth getting in trouble, help them develop a plan. Now, some of you are saying, you're talking about that, but what about me getting a copy of that? Well, I went to um, Office Max. I asked for a, a sheet of paper like this, and she comes with a sheet of paper like this. Um, so now you got really some sketching and drawing and stuff to do. I'm going to leave these up here. You say, well, why don't you put them back there? I'm going to leave them up front here by the end of the service. If you want a copy, you can come pick one up. Embarrass yourself. <laughs> um, but seriously, you've got to make an effort to come and get one and chart a life plan. What's in your head, your heart, and your hands? And can you chart something of what God may be calling you to or 
You say, I'm middle-aged and I've already done most of the things I want to do in life. Or you say, I'm middle-aged and I'm in a life crisis, midlife crisis. Quite a few of us, when we reach our 40s, late 30s, we, we say, do, if what I've done in the last 15 years of my life, do I want to keep doing that the next 15 to 20 years? A noble man, let's say it together again. A noble man makes noble plans, and by noble plan deeds they stand. By noble plans are noble deeds. Some tra translations use either. Thank you, and may you be blessed as you pursue what God gives you in your head, your heart, and your hands.